friends, welcome to episode 174 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? You know, I'm hopefully not going to cough a lot. Okay. Uh, I've, I've had coughing fits, so I apologize. I will be trying to cough to the side when it does happen, but the it's it's just started this morning. I think I got some you know weather drainage, because I look outside and I'm seeing things like in that fluffy bloom again and i'm like oh we're having like second spring yeah this is great i think it's just the storms that roll through kind of riled everything up yeah i think so So, uh yeah i apologize for the voice shift and uh uh and any coughs that may come out at at unprotected so uh, we have a hot pot of tea between us here with some honey in it and uh it is therapy night it's also scotch honey which is even better so yeah so this just should help just a little bit um uh, we don't really have anything that's happened in the last week, and this topic opened up wide, which was good. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of felt that it was going to. It's not a 101. We're going to get a little deep into this. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think and so. we've got some great questions. I think it's okay. So, um, so tonight we're talking about uh, uh, stories that do not have a villain. Yes. And I think, like... Um, you know, I, I think a lot of like, especially like the exam, even just the examples we give, yeah. like, you know, if we're just tossing out, oh, here's how you do this plot. Here's how you write this type of character. You know, we always have like, oh, the big if you're big, bad, evil guys, blah, blah, blah. You're big, bad, evil guy, this big, bad, evil guy, that. Yeah. But, but what do you do? You need a big, bad, evil guy. Is that is that an essential staple in a story? And I think the answer, as we're going to explain tonight, is resoundingly no. No, but I, I will say this. In doing some of the research that I was uh, going through, um, I found a lot of people saying the same thing at, at a high level, that it's easy to have a big, bad, evil guy. It's easy to have a focus point. Oh, sure it is. It's, it, you know, it's hard to perfect them, mm-hmm. um, but it is really easy to just say, like, yeah, that guy's just an evil guy doing evil things sure sure you know um you can even make him misunderstood or whatever there's a billion sure. ways to write a to write a villain but i think it's it's narratively easy because um you give a face to a face and a voice to the thing that the players can hate they can point a finger at the villain and go that's the guy we hate and he yeah. can go ha 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 and twist his mustache and do something awful like kick a puppy and they go oh that was awful and you've got instant gratification well, and not only that, the players don't even have to hate the villain. Mm-hmm. The players have to have zero investment. It can just be a job to go take care of the problem. Mm-hmm. And that problem is the villain. And a villain is something easy to shift, is easy to to have things be other things acquainted with them. But everybody that I was writing about where you remove the villain becomes a challenge for the writer. And two, if you can master this, you're going to be way better at villainy. Oh, yeah. So... One of the big things that's, that resounds in all of this is the understanding between an antagonist and a villain. And we kind of went back and forth with, with you know, uh, you know, the Oxford terminology versus, you know, story terminology versus legitimacy versus everything else and, and kind of had to come to our own terms with it. Yeah, you started, uh, you, you, had, you had a bunch of examples written down the wall. Mm-hmm. We'll get into those examples yeah. in a little bit here. And I, we were kind of going through them, talking through together. And I was like, hmm. I don't know if that's a villain. That's more of an antagonist. I don't know if that's a villain. That's, you know, and we, we had to kind of, uh, really sit down and define what the difference between an antagonist and a, and a, and a villain is. Um, and so, uh, 
for those of you out there who don't know the difference, we always we always try to start with definitions so that yeah. we all know what what words we're working with here. Yes, okay. yes. Let's all get a common a common definition in here. So there is a difference between an antagonist and a villain. Yes. Um, so antagonist is the opposite of a protagonist. Okay, the protagonist is just the main character of the story. Mm-hmm. Does not have to be a good guy. Yep. Does not have to be someone you agree with. Yep. Does not have to be someone on a moral high ground. No, it is just literally the main character of the story. If the main character of the story is an asshole, mm-hmm. your protagonist is an asshole, and that's just how it happens. That's how it happens. Okay. An antagonist, mm-hmm. again, does not have to be a bad guy. They're just someone who stands in the way of your protagonist. There's I mean, someone who complicates the situation for the protagonist. So a, a, a cop, if the person is trying, like, Punisher is trying to do things, and the police are there in- examining the crime scene, they're not necessarily the villains, they're just antagonists. Correct. The they're Punisher, the who is standing there murdering people, is the protagonist. They were and all the bad. And the cops, the, the lawful good cops trying to arrest him, mm-hmm. are the antagonists Correct. in that situation. Yep. Because, simply because the Punisher is the main character of the story. All right. Now, that said, villains and heroes are the other dichotomy. And they are, I would say, all villains are antagonists, but not all antagonists are villains. I agree with that statement. All right. So, villains are when you actually have bad guys doing bad stuff. They are the opposite of heroes. Yes. Heroes are... Heroes come in a lot of varieties, mm-hmm. but oftentimes what defines a hero, whether they are an anti-hero or, or just, mm-hmm. just a flawed hero in general, mm-hmm. like the Punisher. Yep. I mean, the Punisher only kills bad guys. He is, in a sense, a hero. Um, he, We may not agree with his methods, mm-hmm. but he is at least trying to do something good for the world. Yes. Um, and we'll, we can get into that all night, but we're not gonna. We're just going to take that that unspent face value. And when we started defining this, we finally got to a one point where we had the perfect test. Yes. The villain lampshade test. The villain lampshade if you're, test. Are you, if you're familiar with the lampshade test, which is actually I a... I think it's the sexy lamp test is, yeah. what, is, what, is what it's called. Is, is that... Uh, um, and it's it comes down to... I can't remember... If you can take a female character in a piece of media and mm-hmm. replace them with a sexy lamp... Mm-hmm. And it does not affect the story in any ma- meaningful way. Yep. If the story can still proceed, all the major beats can happen, all the characters yep. can accomplish whatever goals they've got going yep. on, then that then, then that is not a true like female character. And that's actually the Belch... Bechdel test. Bechdel test. It is Thank not you. Not the Bechdel test. Well, the Bechdel test is different, but it is. It's it is a lit- within that vein. It's a feminist litmus test. Thank uh, you. Very Thank very you. much of that same vein. Yes. Yeah. So we came up with the villain lampshade test which is if you can remove the person from the story and the problem still exists for the pc they are not the villain yes if the problem stem this problem stem directly from the villain if you can remove a character from the story and that problem does not go away they weren't the villain they're just an antagonist yes yes so i i I love the simplicity of this i think it it helps define uh very quickly what it is and what it is not within uh, the the story that you're working with, and and I hope this propagates out as much as anything else, because I would love to see this being used by anyone anywhere. <laughs> I, I I adore it. I adore it. The villain lampshade test. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your enemies. Marvel Civil War. Who are the protagonists and antagonists? Well, okay. Protagonists so like, are the heroes. Well, Let's pre- preface that for our, for our listeners, please. That was okay. a question, that was, that was... From, question from Knox in the box in the in, live chat. In live chat. Um, 
that's a that's a good teardown. I think that's I I think trying to remember everybody involved in the Civil War is interesting, but it is a dichotomy, not a dichotomy. It is a split view story. So you have to understand that both sides are technically pros and and antis depending on the perception. So it's no different than if you took uh oh god, um Wheel of Time um breaks the character stories up sometimes when you're getting different views. Yes. Um that same thing occurs. So remember that your protagonist is always the first person view. So if it's the story is pre- being presented through them, nine times out of ten, that's where it's coming from. Now that is not true for villainy. If the villain is the is the view of the story, meaning you're getting to see the villain side of the story, that is merely foreshadowing. That's all you're getting out of that. Um, so that doesn't apply. But as a, a hero is is moving the plot forward within the story, they can you can have. Different heroes be antagonists or rivals. Keep in mind that is a different state. Um, but truly in that story, none of them can be defined. Uh, I, I would say they are not antagonists in that story. They are truly rivals because they are trying to get to the same result. Yeah, They're all heroes, yeah. but they can be rivals. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those weird situations where the protagonist does actually shift around who's a protagonist and who's an antagonist. Depends on the, the perspective of the story. Overwatch. Uh, Overwatch asks, so is Darth Vader not the villain of A New Hope? The Death Star and Empire are still there. If he goes away, he is a villain. Yeah. There are multiple villains in A New Hope. Correct. Um, he is specifically a villain uh, counter to Luke's hero. Luke and Obi-Wan's hero. Um, so uh, if he goes away, yeah, okay, so the, 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 the Death Star and the Empire are still there, true. But of the Jedi story of Luke and Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader, that goes away. Correct. But the, the, the actual, well, I mean, if we look at it within the crawl, uh, and what the statement is, is that the Rebels are trying to get the plans for the Death Star so they could destroy it. Yeah. Yeah, he's he is not classified as a villain by story definition. Uh, no, again, not 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 by the opening crawl. Correct, correct. But he's very much presented as one. Correct. Um, we don't see the. I don't think we see the emperor in the first movie, or if we do, it's that like brief hologram scene with the bad makeup. Um, uh, I think you're. I think you're accurate in that. If but I remember he's correctly. he's not he's not posed as a major as a major player. Um, and so all of our focus on the empire is focused around him. Um. But yeah, I, I I would still say he's he's a villain because he's a villain in the Jedi sense of mm-hmm. you've got two good wizards and there's an evil wizard that acts as a foil to them. Mm-hmm. But if he's removed from the story, do, does the Empire and Re- Rebellion still sit as the main plot line of the story? And I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, it it does. But I mean, you can have multiple like we showed with the with the mm-hmm. Civil War thing. There's multiple ways of doing it and stuff of that. Yeah, but. I, I kind of feel like we're getting in the weeds here on what is a villain, and we're really here to talk about how do you tell stories without them. Yes, and so we want to make sure we understand what removing them really means. Right, 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 right. So uh, there is kind of a like a, a trope mm-hmm. of not having a villain. Yep. Um, so rather than telling your story uh, straight up as a good guy versus bad guy story, mm-hmm. um, the central conflict is going to be caused by other forces – and does not feature characters in direct opposition to each other. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you can have a we're all on the same team and we're in this together story. Mm-hmm. You don't have anybody opposing you, but mm-hmm. you can still have a lot of conflict and trauma. And in, 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 in drama. The trauma and drama. I, I think suppose. all that's true. Um, the, the, the thing you have to remember is that conflict is what breeds drama. Correct. Okay? Your conflict does not have to stem from a person 
mm-hmm. or it really doesn't even have to come from anything nefarious, okay? Mm-hmm. As long as something can create stress among your protagonists, mm-hmm. it can create conflict, and from there, drama can, can be bred. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It, it can be an internal struggle. Mm-hmm. That is perfectly fine. Um, there's there's nothing to say that it isn't. Um, and this applies across all genres. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it in multiple places. In fact, it's it's kind of more prolific and well defined in video games um, than it than we really ever have ever have had it in the past. It's just not common um, in the sense that uh, because a video game is done in a single perspective, mm-hmm. it is very easy to define and say we're just removing villainy here. We're, we're removing the villain. Yeah. Um, uh, an older one, uh, if, 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 if you are familiar with it, whether you've, you know, found it along and, and maimed your way to, to playing it and, or, you know, some retro version of it, or you played it back in the day. This game is legendary, but only if you were like gaming in the eighties. Yeah. So Ultima four, <laughs> uh, removed villain, removed a villain as the main plot point, And, made the story about basically you being you discovering yourself mm-hmm. as a character which i think is fantastic um i didn't never got to play it but i did understand that it was a different game mm-hmm. and it was very long and very involved and very challenging yeah um because you were looking it would examine you through your actions of how honest you were how compassionate were you were how courageous you were um, how pious you were, mm-hmm. like all of those things were included, and that changed the story as you progressed it. Yeah. Um, uh, near Automa- uh, Autom- automata, automata uh, is another one where there is no central villain. There is a story about what is happening, mm-hmm. and it is an examination of that story. Yeah. Um, we both played Ark. Oh yeah, uh, yeah survival yeah. evolved, which uh, a lot of people say it's, it's a survival game. You're you're there's dinosaurs and you're hanging out, and you're building stuff, you're doing things. There is a bit of a story there if you choose to go after it. Yeah, but it's it's pretty it's pretty thin, pretty avoidable, um, and uh, I would say really only pops up in like the later expansions. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially early on in the uh, in the game, even if you are paying attention to the story. Um, the villain really isn't there. It's mostly, it's mostly a man versus environment story. Yeah, it's just you're on an island with a bunch of dinosaurs. Survive. Yeah, I, I, and and not to give too much of a spoiler here away, but the truth of, and it's been out for too long, so just deal with it. Um, Ark itself, I think, falls under the same category. A lot of things like D and D does is like it really the villain doesn't matter until you interact with that portion of the story, and then suddenly it becomes the villain. Yeah, you know the villain yeah. shows up in that, and I think that's. That that's almost a direct tie from doing a tabletop role playing style, where it's like your your players, your, the villain doesn't even recognize the players exist until they come in contact and then become an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really where where the conflict becomes one on one. You know, until yeah. at that point, uh, Minecraft. You love Minecraft. I love Minecraft. It's, it's modded specifically. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I think I mean really all your survival stories, anything that fits into the man versus environment um, uh, style storytelling mm-hmm. is going to be is going to be great with that. Um, Hulavu in the live chat uh, tosses in the board game pandemic I, again perfect example yeah how are you gonna i mean the, is the virus a villain and eh, doesn't really give a crap it's not really doing anything on purpose it's just doing what it's what it's designed to do you know? to- anytime that time becomes the villain which yeah. is really what it is it's not a villain um some movies uh finding nemo yep there's there's no true villain in that it is yeah. a discovery story yeah it's a discovery story and it, that a... is a journey yeah 
Um, Armageddon is a giant asteroid that is hurtling itself toward Earth. A story? A villain? No, it's not. It's it's an event. Yep. yep. Uh, Interstellar. It's a discovery story about going. Now, <laughs> man, are th- man versus black hole. <laughs> pretty much, you know. You know, how many years do we just lose doing this? Um, is is a great point of that. Is time's the real challenge? There is trying to to get things done in time to save Earth. You know, <laughs> um, you could say that there are definitely antagonists along the way, without a doubt. Sure. Um, sure. But they're they're not villains yeah um i i was reading and somebody had pointed out that in the prisoner of azkaban you actually have a a red not a red herring um a villain who turns uh, out uh, not to be a villain yeah so it's it's a ruse of a plot so it 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 is presented whole cloth as at the beginning of this that Sirius black is the villain and we're going to show you all of the things throughout the story that make Sirius black the villain of the story and at the end i'm going to be like all of that is just accidents and coincidences Mm mm-hmm and you were looking at it through the wrong perspective. So, in that sense, it also doesn't really have a villain in the story. Because Voldemort, the main villain of everything, isn't pre- present in the story. Yeah, yeah. It's just not there. Um, Alice in Wonderland is another story with no direct villain. Lots of antagonists. Presenting a, ch- a very challenging world, and they're always presenting it as this is dangerous. Yeah. In a different light. Yeah. Um. I mean, towards towards the end, the Red Queen kind of becomes a a, a villain ish character, but like for the obviously for the vast majority of it, it's Correct. it's it's just Alice dealing with with trippy land and yeah, and being told from questionable folks like this world is scary and We're spooky, and I'm here. gonna I'm gonna point to something that makes this this world even more scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was the other one that I I threw in here because I thought it was a good example of antagonists. Uh, which were originally penned as villains, but we both agreed at the end we're like that's a bad term. They're not villains. They're antagonists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed. And uh, uh, I mean they're all jerks. Don't get me wrong. You know, some of them aren't necessarily even villainous. Right. You but, know. but they're but they're more exemplars of vice mm-hmm. than they are um villains, and in, in that they don't stand in direct opposition to Charlie. Correct. Correct. They're just there to be in the way. Yeah. Uh, and and also to point out the flaws in the world, mm-hmm. the setting itself, in a very clean way. You know, he is. Of a poverty level, impoverished, unable to make men's, barely able to eat properly and take in and have any value for his family. And these are people of gluttony, of vanity, of wealth, of greed, you know, trying to gain, garner more than they ever need, mm-hmm. you know, just to continue that process. Um, so it's, it's, it's a show and tell, if you will, as the story continues. So now I'm going to do a, 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 a little aside here because we sure. mentioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We sorry, we mentioned uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yes, and Knox uh, uh, in the Box dropped the word Jabberwocky into mm. the uh, into the live chat here. Sure. Um, now I don't know if many people know this. I know people old old school D and D players always know about the Vorpal Sword. Right? Yes. Yes. When you rolled a critical hit, it would behead your enemy. Correct. Sort of thing. Um, so that actually comes from the poem Jabberwocky. Yes. Vorpal is not a real word. Mm-mm. I mean, in, in, in the sense that it means anything. Yeah. It was invented by Lewis Carroll in the line from the Jabberwocky. This was a poem within the story Alice in Wonderland. Yep. He says, one, two, one, two, and through and through, his vorpal blade went snickersnack. He left it dead, and with his head, he went garumphing back. 
Yep. He beheaded the Jabberwocky yep. with his yep. Vorpal sword. So yeah, when they when they made like old school D and D, they put a Vorpal sword in there and it beheaded your enemy under natural. 20. And what's funny is is that Vorpal weapons carried through so many uh, games. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can still see the word Vorpal commonplace. In fact, bring it back around to Minecraft. Yep. Um, in the at least in the modded version, I don't know what mod adds it. I don't think it's a standard enchant that you can get in like the vanilla base game. Yeah. But there is a Vorpal enchantment that which makes beheads. It do, do like massive critical strikes and sometimes drop mods at mob heads. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. There we go. A little, little bit of history there for you. All right. So to bring this back around, what are ways for us to now take this out of these other these other genres and throw them into our other medias, I should say, and bring it to tabletop? What are what are the basic themes? Uh, okay. So a lot of these, a lot of these, especially like if you're if 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 you are learning like writing 101 sort of stuff or you know if right. you're learning writing 201 or whatever you're going to have your themes your classic themes mm-hmm. that are going to be phrased to you as man versus something right okay now um i've said a couple of these already in mm-hmm. your prior examples yeah um you probably your biggest and easiest grab if you're not going to have a villain mm-hmm. is going to be man versus environment okay agree okay. and that's that's going to come down into basically two of your big uh, story types is going to be a survival story. Sure. Okay. Um, so man versus environment. You've got a hostile environment to mm-hmm. you. Maybe mm-hmm. you are stranded on a mountainside. Um, maybe you're playing Traveler and just the ravages of space. Yeah. Hard yeah. vacuum is yeah. your antagonist. It is terrible. <laughs> you know, you've got to manage fuel. You've got to make sure that you're getting to the planet. If you get to the planet, are you going to be able to survive on that planet? Are you mm-hmm. going to scrounge for resources? Mm-hmm. Are there solar, you know, radiation storms that you sure. have to avoid? There's a lot of stuff you can do in a story that gives the players conflict and drama and stress to kind of go through that have nothing to do with even a person Mm -hmm. getting involved. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your other one is exploration. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with survival. Yeah. Um, And a lot of that is... uh, you know, kind of like I said, you know, okay, uh, is is this a good planet? Or, you know, is this, um, can we find the thing in the lost temple in the countryside? Yep. Dungeon crawls are essentially an exploration story. Yeah. You don't really have a villain in most dungeon crawls. The dungeon yep. itself is an environment, but it mm-hmm. doesn't care. No. You know? It's it, not in direct opposition to you. It yeah. is it is the opposition. It's the source of the conflict, but it doesn't it, it it's not doing it on purpose. It's not a person with a motivation, therefore it is not a villain. Correct. Know? Correct. Um and in many ways you can remove whatever you think in there is a villain and the story continues because that's not what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you could you could replace the dungeon with a straight hallway with the MacGuffin at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yep. And nothing changes. Just, yeah. The only thing that, tra- that changes is the amount of traps in it. Yeah, I think the the ones that get a little more gray because they often feel like it is like the mystery or detective stories. Yeah, where you're you're discovering something. It's not necessarily the environment, but you're 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 uncovering a mystery or you're you're studying something that occurred. There's going to be a lot of things that block you along the way, but nothing that is direct opposition until you get too close, and then the story shifts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think back to, um, like, Sherlock Holmes, um, and I'm thinking more more the classic, you know, Hercule, literary... Hercule Poirot. Poirot. Yeah, if I can yes. say it right. Um, but, uh, like, in mystery and detective stories especially, like, you'll have a lot of people who are shady, mm-hmm. and, and you'll probably, and you've obviously got the one who done it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the person who did commit the murder or whatever crime it is you're investigating. But right. It doesn't necessarily make them a villain. 
villain in the sense as much as they're just the they're the mark, you know. Right, right. Um now whereas it, like if you're looking at Sherlock Holmes, um like when you start getting into Moriarty, where mm-hmm. Moriarty starts doing things directly in opposition to Sherlock mm-hmm. to directly screw with him, he's a villain. There was an interesting story that I was reading about and unfortunately I can't remember the name of it. Um but it's a it's about basically uh two uh two hermetic uh mages mm-hmm. who are trying to bring magic back to the world okay. like it's been locked away they aren't really at direct opposition to each other they both want the same goal mm-hmm. the problem is, is one is in love with the other one's lover oh and basically just wants them to look bad mm-hmm. so that they can take the woman in and go yeah, yeah. and that's the the crux of the story making that person a a villain in the sense of what they're doing but they're not in opposition to what the person's trying to achieve. It's a, it's an interesting twist on that kind of rivalry story. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it walks that fine line between are they just an antagonist or are they a villainous antagonist, just not a villain to the story. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I I I feel like if you're if you're even walking that line of like, oh, there's another person directly creating the conflict. But is he really doing it on purpose like yeah i mean okay look he's still kind of a villain you know yeah. like and and i think even if the villain is trying is doing things to make them happen for the hero make the events occur for the hero that makes them a villain that still makes them a villain because yeah. they're directly involved and if they're removed the story is not the they're, same they're screwing with the hero on purpose and right. yeah if they're directly involved none of these things are happening so now the next one i, I put on here is different than both survival and exploration because there's an element of stress added to it directly, which is a race or a delivery. Yeah, and I, I don't, you don't see these very often. Like they, they are. I've never really seen a good one in a tabletop played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love the idea of them. I love the idea that there is a race, you know, or that that you know you have other people involved. They're antagonists without a doubt, mm-hmm. but they're not opposed to you directly at all. They're all on the same race that you're in. If they're removed, the race is still the race. Like, nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's now you start getting even closer to how things can be run. I think I think it's a great example of a story with a boatload of antagonists, mm-hmm. but, but no... Sometimes legitimately. <laughs> but no villains, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then the last one you've got on here is just jobs. Yeah. Very I think classic. it kind of comes along with kind of the delivery thing, but it's not it's not quite so destination based. Yeah. Um. And and that's like like Shadowrun is built exactly around this gameplay loop of mm-hmm. like you're hired to do a job. Okay, sure, you're going to be raiding you know Renreku uh, this time around, but is Renreku the villain? I don't know. I mean, probably not. They're just an entity. Right. In in cyberpunk dystopias, you know, the corporations aren't really villains as much as they are forces of nature. Mm-hmm. And if Renreku weren't there, as technology would just take their place. So, you inter- know, an interesting point, because we had to come back to this for a second. Overwatch adds Sebulba to the whole race concept. And in my personal opinion is this. He had to win the race. He didn't have to beat Sebulba. That, so remove Sebulba. Okay. So Sebulba's so, so an antagonist. He's yep, just, just there to he's just there to screw with them, but he still had to win the race. Yep. Just a rival. Yep. Just a rival. A, a crappy rival, but a rival. Yeah. But I still think that I still stand behind that that jobs are the story. Yeah. That is what you're doing. Yeah. You know whether it's a a bunch of gangs or Renaku, like you said, or anyone else involved. You know, it it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because again, you still have to complete the job. Yeah. Absolutely. In the end, that's how you get paid. 
Absolutely. So um, I and I, I kind of want to tack one here at the kind of at the end. Like my current game doesn't have a villain. That is very true. Uh, I I've got you. I've got the 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 Fighters Guild working security for the mages. Well, the mages go on an exploration quest, and that has literally been the plot of the entire game from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> you you guys work security for the mages while well, the mages do mage stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean you guys you guys got to do a lot of a lot of ass beating in the first act. <laughs> we did, but at the same time that was the request. It was, hey, go take care of this problem, grab some mages to go with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now it's hey the mages need to grab a few fighters to go with you because there may be problems. Right. Right. You know, and and that's cool. That's well, great. It's but that was a plot hook from session zero, so you guys knew that was gonna be the format of the game. No, and but... it, I think it works really well. Yeah. Um but but the, the the fact is though is that again it's it's an exploration story at least currently at this juncture there's no mm-hmm. villain you know yep uh, for it you've just got kind of a lot of things on the table closest thing we've got to a villain is uh, I have started the kung the kung fu hustle plot with uh, with, yeah. uh, with your wife's character yep, Karu. Yep. Yep. Um, we have uh, a bunch of Khajiit ninjas that are that which are I love from from a rival clan. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, like I said, I, I still I still have to go, and, and I keep saying I have to do this. I have to go and watch like binge watch three kung fu movies. You do, you really do, and just get some good ideas for just some really tropey things to throw in. Oh yeah, and and how they move, how they move into scenes, what brings them into scenes. Yeah, you know those types of things. One trope I'm super excited to uh, to, mm-hmm. to throw in there um, is uh, uh, the biggest damn warrior you've ever seen walks into the bar yep you know that one where where the where the, where the protagonist throws a flurry of blows into their stomach and they just look at them mm-hmm. and then they take one swat and they go flying across you yeah, know breaks through two walls and yeah, yeah, yeah covered yeah. in dust and they're like oh you know right right you're, you're and, minorly stunned inexplicably you know. shirtless and hairless you know yeah <laughs> or or you have the guy who stands up and keeps rising mm-hmm. like doesn't stop rising until they hit like a beam yes and then they slough off whatever the minor cloak that was on them, and they're literally rippling, and they have like an eighteen pack, you yep. know, going yep. on the front and the back, you know. Yep, I I need I need that trope in there. But anyways, I digress. Uh, all right, so where are we? What do conflicts look like when they don't have a villain? Yeah, so and I think we we've described what the what the 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 themes of these things right, might right. be, what the shape of them might be, but how do they actually play out? What can you do without a villain? Well, I th- I think you have um effectively three direct um I guess points to look at, whether it's an event, so maybe it's a war that's going on. So it's a it's an event that's occurring around the characters or around the protagonists in this case. You know, is it famine? You know, is is everyone starving? You know, and so they're having to deal with that within the landscape. Is there an apocalypse going on? Is something changing in the world in such a way that there's there's no direct control over this? These events are just occurring. You know, magic is failing or or magic is coming back. You know, and so these types of things are are world events that can uh, can be very global. They can uh, they can present a lot of uh, a, a lot of moments and a lot of uh, of direct challenges for the players. But it doesn't have to be that scale of an event. It could be just as simple as a joust. You know, you're you're going to compete in a joust, and your team is a mem- is a you know is two jousters and a bunch of you know your your healer, your 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 hype person, and th- it's about getting favor and respect, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's the key to it is that 
it is the event that is occurring and then the story that happens around that event. Um, I always come back to the school analogy because, again, it's a very small scope. It's very easy to define. Sure, um, sure. They're not necessarily villains in the school. They don't have to be. But it could just be, you know, uh, it's the uh, um, president's of the school they're going to, you know, the president of, uh, of council. Mm-hmm. So you've got people running for it. You've got to, you know, you've got to get people to, you know, recognize and respect, you know, all of those things come into play to see how do you get your friend to become city council, you know, or, or civic president sure. of your school. Sure. Like, again, it's a small thing, but it's an event that can occur. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We then have the the second level of the, our second piece, which is stressful or complicated moments. Yeah, you know, a wedding is going on. There's a lot that can happen at a wedding, mm-hmm. right? both positive, negative, and weird all yep. at the same time. Um, you've got uh, running a restaurant. We we just had that. Zhang Shi. <laughs> a whole yep. section of the game is devoted to nothing but complications and stressfulness of running a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no villains in that. In the racist 1920s, nonetheless. Again, yeah. but that's that's part of the feel well, sure, to, sure. that sets the tone. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's no different to say that you couldn't just be running, like, I don't know, a, a McDonald's in uh, these days. Yeah. You know? And the things that happen. There are multiple games. Burger Time. Is there a villain in Burger Time? Well, it's a it's it's an Atari game from 1984, so but it's it but there are literally games thrown at the same thing where it's you're handling a situation as best as you can. Yeah, yeah. What events change the characters in that sense? Yeah, but I th- I think like that this one especially like because it comes back to uh a, a, like a lot of your stressful, complicated moments are going to be things like your survival games, you know, yeah. your, your exploration games because yeah. like. Okay, uh, guys, we're running low on air and food, and we are in the middle of the blackness of space. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Yep. You know? Yeah. Well, there's there's one person offering us a super shady job, and the good news is it'll put you know uh, put put food on our plates and fuel in our tanks. But the bad news is we might not live to spend the money. Yep. Um, what do we do? That's, I mean, that's a great example of a stressful situation that, again, doesn't really have a villain, you know? Yep, yep. Um, and then straight up just challenges. Yep. Like, uh, this works well for short games, but at the same time, it can sit right in the middle of a game as well. Something with an actual plot where you're just like, I need something different that doesn't affect my plot. Challenge is the greatest way to go with that. We talk about them all the time. Escape rooms, the Temple of Doom, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Dungeon crawls. Dungeon crawls are great. Dungeon They're crawls great are exa- great examples of challenges. Yeah, Run, running a race, mm-hmm. sure, or or a series of them. You have to do this one, this one, this one, this one. There, a, there you go. Some sort of physically or emotionally taxing situation that has a goal mm-hmm. at the end of it that you have to strive for. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it it doesn't have to be as complicated. It mm-hmm. can be quite simple. And again, all of these can layer to make up what you want to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I put in here um, that I think, for at least me, feels important, especially because we do have a heavy D&D focus within our podcast. A lot of our members are D&D people. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, there's a lot of broad D&D focus on, in the community in And I general. think that one of the things that, that sticks out in my head is the need to slow down experience and advancement. Make it milestone. Or, and I'll, I'll, I'll feign to say it, or not at all. Because... Players are then not are not focused on it as a goal or a reason to move on. Like they're not doing the thing because D and D is a story about becoming godlike in power. 
not defeating anything idealistic. It's when the XP pours in, that's what they're looking at as the goal, to get more XP to become more like a god. Yeah, and, and t- typically, typically, and again, not not always. I don't want to stereotype every single D&D story here, but um, I would say D&D stories are... are typically have a have a villain to them you know they mm-hmm. do have a big bad evil guy it's it's kind of where the big bad evil guy trope is kind of uh cemented itself especially in tabletop role sure um and oftentimes the reason why we seek advancement the reason why we seek power is not because it enables a character's story but because it allows us to uh, in, in that sort of very gamey, very you know, video gamey sense, mm-hmm. to level up so that we can conquer the next challenge. You mm-hmm. know, I need a plus five sword because it's I'm going to need it to defeat the villain. Well, if there's no villain, what do you need to level up for? You know, mm-hmm. we're going to focus a lot more on just the challenges of what life is like um, out here in the wilderness, et cetera, et cetera. You don't really need you know, seventh level spells for that. Like you can tell a lot of really great stories at lower levels and freezing your XP or doling it out very carefully shifts that focus from, I need power so I can overcome everything and win the game to, okay, I'm just focusing on the here and now. And I mean, I think that that can be a little dangerous i mean you definitely want to talk to your characters you know or or say your players about this without a doubt um that that you are telling that type of story because i i have been in stories before where like that wasn't really discussed Mm -hmm. and we're like eight game sessions in and we're like when when are we gonna when am i gonna level up at all right is there is there any advancement in this game right oh it is but it's really slow yeah (sighs) but i mean advancement occurring when the when the players have examined and discovered or or satisfied the plot allows them to then focus on that. For instance, if you guys found the MacGuffin, like that was the whole point, mm-hmm. and that's when advancement occurs. Now you know what creates the goals and leverage, you know, and yeah. helps you helps remind you what sure. the next thing to do is. Sure, you know, give the biscuit when the task is completed. Yeah, or when something good is done. I mean, we talk about this uh, as far as what games teach you. D and D doesn't teach you to role play. Like, it doesn't give you the benefits when you roleplay. It gives you the yeah. benefits when you murder things. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you're, if you don't do Milestone XP, um, your experience is literally the metric by which challenge rating is measured off of, by mm-hmm. which um, encounters are balanced around, and uh, it is the metric by which you advance is still killing enemies. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know there are suggestions for, like, you know, oh, yeah, you also give experience for overcoming this or discovering a secret or whatnot and whatnot. Sure. But, but, yeah, I mean, the core mechanic still, even in 5th edition, is kill enemies, gain experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the the second part of this is the study of the character. Now, we kind of brought this up when we were talking about uh, Ultima Four mm-hmm. and some of those, um, but I, I want to preface very cleanly that this is a study of the character, not the player. You need to to derive from the characters what their wants, needs, concerns, and struggles are, um, to be able to then present those challenges to them uh, in some way. Now, they're not traditionally mechanical; these are. Uh, these aren't resolved with rolling dice. These are emotional or social or moral challenges that are being presented. Um, 
so that you can answer the question of who the character is deep down. Mm-hmm. There are some things about this that make it very challenging, and, and I'll flat out say it, that players tend to play versions of themselves because it's easy. Yeah. And because it's natural to do so. So you run the risk that you're challenging your player and not your character. Yes. Um. So you can set these things in motion... Um. Even sometimes between two players and having, like, this player wants money real bad and this player believes in chivalry and trust and honor. Uh, and the the issue that you run into then is now you've got player versus player and that causes risks at any table if they aren't prepared to remember that this is character and character. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um. So clear communication when doing anything like this is super important. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I would say even more so than your obvious player versus player sort of things. You want to worry more about um, uh, uh, storyteller versus player. That yeah, you know, because yeah. like well, like like you said, um, people tend to play versions of themselves. Yes, and so. If we're going to dive into, you know, uh, what is Theodane's motivation for doing this and just how big of a jerk is he going to be if we put him in such a situation, we need to make sure there needs to be communication at the table that this is the storyteller wanting to examine Theodane Mm -hmm. and not Sarah wanting to call Rob a bit of an asshole. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like that. and, And that's a hard, like, line to try and create without a lot of communication and a good understanding and continued communication story to story. Yeah. That yeah. that recheck of, hey, how are we doing? Was this fun? Is this something you continue wanting to do? Because a lot of times, like, I, I, I have, I have, I've been in games where I have been examined mm-hmm. and been like, this is neat. I like to continue this. And then start, you know, at the other, like, dude, you were you were pretty deep into this. Oh, yeah, I was. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. You know, it it feels sometimes like therapy in some ways because you're getting to do more than just be a god. Yeah, yeah, sure. You're getting to play with that uh, with those other aspects, and it's it's it is dangerous. It's why X cards are a really good thing. Well, sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, ostensibly, what we're what we're talking about here, again, kind of getting back to the the actual like names for these themes, is a character a character deep dive like this is called a man versus self theme uh, mm-hmm. theme. Um. And uh, where it's the character having to look within themselves and find that conflict there within their own psyche. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, especially when you when you when you think that a lot of players are playing versions of themselves, it does turn into like, oh, I need to look at like Sarah needs to look at herself right now. Right. And figure out why the hell Ravana the Snow Witch just did what she did, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because we you don't want to you know because a lot of times, as a storyteller and even as a player, you don't recognize it until it's happened. Yeah, yep. And you have to be prepared to have that. I mean, uh, some of the things that kind of come out of this, uh, at least as we're talking with stories, we're dealing with setting the characters in those kind of themes. You have stories of hope, mm-hmm. like, and some of those can be come from a very terrible place. Those terrible places can be triggering. They can be fantastic, but they can also pr- expose a lot of concerns, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and hopelessness. Um, 
keeping a family or a team together. That's a huge one. Yeah. It's it's an investment that has to happen, but once it's happened, like how many people start to feel really weird when like another party member passes? If it's been a year of playing yeah. with them. Like that char- the player is still there, but that character is not. Sure. Sure. And that that makes it very challenging. Um again, just sometimes getting to somewhere and making it back safely is a thing that that stress of the return oh yeah i've uh i've talked about it before on the show uh so if you're a long time listener to the show i'm sorry this is the third time i'm going to tell this story at least uh but uh i was playing skyrim um uh, a handful of years ago and uh i had gone in and, and loaded up a bunch of mods one of the mods was a uh realistic needs mod that made you want to you have to like sleep and eat and stuff like that and it would affect your stats your gameplay um and another one was called frostfall and what frostfall added in was things like hypothermia um and when you're running around the frozen north like Mm -hmm. if you end up in ice cold water with icebergs floating around in it instantly fills your hypothermia stat and like if you don't get near a fire and which would warm you up and to dry you off and stuff like that if you don't take care of that like your vision starts blurring your stamina won't regenerate you'll start losing health and eventually you will just die you know um and so uh it it encourages this very survival like gameplay and so i decided um for those of you who know the map i was going to walk from uh winter hold to windhelm uh, with a yeah, major no, you, colleges. Yeah, you brought this up a few times. Yeah, yeah and uh, uh, man, I'll tell you what. I only fought like a couple of wolves and I think like a bandit or two on the way down there. Mm-hmm. But I almost froze to death on that journey. Mm-hmm. And that was some of the most fun I've ever had playing Skyrim was just... I didn't have anything to do with the monsters I was fighting. It was literally just like I, I was almost glad to see the wolves because I was freezing to death in the middle of a snowstorm, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe a good a good tussle with some with some enemies would help get my blood pumping again. And it, and it forestalled it, but it did not increase it. Yep. I ended up having to duck into this little dungeon. I didn't have the appropriate key for it, so I could only get into the very entrance of it, trying to warm myself by a little torch. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these style of stories can breed great drama very much so very much so so one of the things that really kind of comes off of this is uh is what systems already support this like is there are there systems out there that do it and i would flat out say yes oh there's a ton of them there's a lot of systems that support this this mechanic specifically i mean savage world does it directly Mm -hmm. you take a hubris you get stuff for doing things with it or hindrance within that uh powered by the apocalypse you write it into your character story like it's part of who you are and how you advance your little bonds and conflicts and stuff that and yeah resolving those bonds uh gives you uh gives you advancement um Seventh C, you have mm-hmm. a hubris that yep, you will straight pick. up. Uh, if you play into your hubris, or sometimes when the storyteller calls for it mm-hmm. um, and kind of invokes the hubris, you're rewarded a drama die for yeah. it. Uh, you brought up fate. Uh, yep, fate. Uh, your storyteller will compel aspects mm-hmm. in fate, mm-hmm. um, and thereby giving you uh, basically invoking some sort of negative aspect of your character, but rewarding you with a fate token. It's almost directly what ha- what happens in Savage Worlds. I mean, Ma- Vampire the Masquerade is is role play heavy, and the fact that it even has nature and demeanor, uh, a- as well as flaws. But the uh, yeah, uh, but but at the same time, yeah, you're um, so. Role playing your nature and demeanor, um, mm-hmm. which aren't necessarily bad things, no. but 
but you will regain willpower points. Who yep. knows? Um, your flaws, you gain character build points by taking flaws. They offset certain things, so your character becomes stronger for having taken a weakness elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes those flaws will allow you to regain willpower in some sort of way also by role-playing into them. Yeah. Um, and then mouse guard. Yeah, you have traits, or uh, not traits. Tra- you have, um, no, is, tra- traits, 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 correct, yeah. Um, that are both positive and negative. Right, you can use them to hinder fellow guard members, and in doing so, you earn checks, which are kind of like, kind of like experience. It's difficult to explain, but... It's an advancement If you want to know more about Mouse Guard, we did a, we did a system spot. We, t- we did dive into it, but it, it leans directly into it, and it's you making active decisions with that. Right, uh, to especially hinder your... somebody else yeah. and throw a complication into it. Yeah. Correct, correct. So... These help get your players thinking about their flaws of their character and can easily give you the inroads as a storyteller to start pushing that through into the story elements and the plot themes as a whole. Exactly. Um, so, like, it's kind of what we discussed D&D a little bit earlier, where, like, D&D doesn't really have a mechanic for flaws. They've got those background questions of, like, what is your drive? What is your flaw? What is your... But I've never really actually seen anybody even use those well and the thing is is that within those then they, they suggest like these are the things you use them for the only thing that they do for you mm-hmm. is give you inspiration yeah which you get once until you spend it mm-hmm. which all it does is give you a mechanic to kill things better or to yeah. do to to roll dice better um and i i think this like especially in D games because D does not have a mechanic to ask your players to actively put flaws or hindrances or whatever um on their sheets to think about the negative aspects of what their characters are Mm -hmm. um in settings like that especially if you're not used to that sort of thing players can be blindsided pretty easily when the Mm -hmm. dm wants to explore or exploit a character's weakness since they're not actually your your players may not actually realize their character has a weakness Mm -hmm. you know um if their only experience is through D&D and you've never been asked to write down what your character's biggest, you know, flaw is, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And your whole your whole point of the game is achieving godlike power, you know, it's a level 15, let's go punch Tiamat, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, your character's a bit of a jerk might come out of left field. Yeah. I mean, you shared with me a story earlier about a storyteller who admittedly sprung this on his players, and I would not suggest doing that. No, never. We're going to preface this story by saying, don't do this, but ran a deep character exploration story, essentially examining what his characters would do with extreme amounts of power, and the answer to that was, become murder hobos. Yeah. And And one player figured it out? One player along the lane was just like... Uh, as they were continuing this and like people were starting to uh, effectively it was it was before the boys came out on tv or, or i think it was even a comic um that the guy had done this and really just wanted to kind of examine superhero effective uh, logistics in D D. like you, you start out as zeros eventually you're going to get to a point where things aren't a problem anymore and they really weren't like they were bulldozing through things without an issue but the locals, some of them worshipped them, some of them feared them, some of them straight up hated them and just didn't like them at all. And it wasn't until one of the players basically stepped forward and was just like, I'm done with this. I, I can't hang out with you guys anymore. And did it in-game. Like, their character just wasn't able to do it. Like, all you guys do is go around murdering. 
Mm-hmm. Like, because you can. Like, nobody's going to stop you. You walk into a town, and you can pretty much do whatever you want. Seduce whatever you want, use magic, use weapons, you know, uh, effectively antagonize guards. Just yeah. make your way through whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. That's that's not life. That's that's being a bully. You're being a jerk, and I'm not going to stand for it. And, like, I'm out. And, like, well, you're going to roll up a different character? No, I'm out. Like, I don't want to be part of the story anymore if this is where you guys are going with it. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, you're missing the point because that's the point of the story is, like, we're we're here and we're large. Like, we're we're living it. And the storyteller was like, okay. They they clearly – They've made their choices. They've yep. made their choices, so I'm presenting that. And he ended the story, like, two sessions later because he realized that they didn't learn from it what he was expecting them to learn, which is any kind of level of humility. They just basically kept bulldozing – and wanted to continue bulldozing. They kept wanting to find what was the next bigger thing to kick the butt of yep. and become the new god of. Yep. yep. So, yeah, it's it was interesting. But again, he didn't discuss it with them. He just let it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Sad, but true. Um, I'm going to take just a minute before we jump into questions because Hulu brought up an interesting point. A recent game, sure. uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, yep. uh, which is the story of uh, Aloy and – or Aloy – and uh, a apocalyptic world. Now, it is arguably a little bit of a sandbox game. It doesn't start as a sandbox game. Mm-hmm. You're, you're presented plot from the beginning that this world is full of robots and you are a person who is kind of shunned by your community because of how you're brought into the community. And then you're kind of presented as a unique person to go and solve problems, you know, to, to figure out what's really going on. And at that point, you're kind of just available to do whatever you want. The, the plot's there, but it's lingering. Um, spoilers, it's been out for a while, so too bad. Uh, if you don't want to know, uh, you know, skip ahead a couple minutes here in the podcast. Um, but effectively, there is a villain who sits in it. And and I would agree with Hulavu, um, the villain is hidden for the first part of the story because they're the ones generating this stuff. But the villain shifts. There isn't just one villain in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, it progresses, and the villain leads to another villain, which leads to another villain. Um, there are many antagonists, but it is a good way that the that it is a good representation of how you can blend man versus X and a villainous story. Sure. And I, sure. I, I, if you get a chance, do some reading, do some some lore dumping. If you if you want to see a good example of this, and I, I agree, Lulu, thank you for bringing that up. I I think the the important takeaway, especially like from that question, from the Marvel, you know, Civil mm-hmm. War th- sort of thing, as well, is that a lot of these things are not like black and white. Correct. Like a story is not just one thing, right? And it does not need to stay that just one thing, even if it is for a period. You know, certain chapters of certain stories will shift from one to another to another to another. Yes. And your story may go from man versus man to man versus environment mm-hmm. to man versus self mm-hmm. back to man versus man. Yeah. You know, and then man versus God. Yeah. And the other thing that – and I, I kind of said this earlier is that if you are good at doing stories without a villain, if you can master this and understand your players and understand how to make a world feel challenging and involved. And how to find conflict in seemingly every, everyday things like the environment mm-hmm. or a, a sticky political situation or something sure. like that without having to point at a person and go, that mustache twirling jerk over there is the source of your ire. Yeah. You can then know how to do a villain better 
Yes. And how to make them feel way more at home with mm-hmm. where they're at, using that environment to their advantage to just handle situations differently. Well, also, like, I mean, even even just your average villainous behavior of, uh, you know, ha ha ha, I'm trying to screw you over and get the MacGuffin before you do for my own nefarious plan becomes so much more complicated when you can throw in environmental factors, mm-hmm. when you can pl- throw in political factors, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you get what is, you get a very layered story. Yeah. You know, very it's, involved. It's not just, we need to go punch that, punch the mustache twirling dude. Mm-hmm. It's, we need to punch the mustache twirling dude, but we need to do it while measuring our oxygen mm-hmm. and scavenging for food mm-hmm. and making sure that we can do this fast enough that we can get there before him, you know, Exactly. And not piss off the local political party, you know, by doing these things on their territory or whatever, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a study. It's something that I, I think everyone should at least try. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're new to storytelling, give it a shot. Sure. Throw a section in your story where your plot kind of just sets to the side for a little bit and you do a little bit of this where yep. their villain is not involved. Yep. Have fun. Yep. That's so it's exactly what I'm doing in my game right now. No villain right now, but you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, trust me, you will. So we have some questions. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're gonna start off with Nevim. Uh, Nevim shot three of them at us. Okay. Uh, so do you need some form of conflict to make a compelling story? I am gonna say yes. Yeah. I'm gonna say with a. I'm gonna say so with an asterisk on it. Because okay. I think there are compelling stories that are nothing but, like, just character dramas. Like, I've read some very compelling stories that are essentially just two people hanging out, talking, and somebody comes to some sort of character growth out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love character studies like that. But, so, I, I think the asterisk goes on compelling story, not on conflict. Yeah, I think you can I think you can do a compelling story without conflict. I think it is a challenge. I think it's an extraordinary challenge and I would dare say that in a tabletop RPG you're going to have a lot more problem with that because if you're writing it, you can carefully craft what each of those characters' journeys are. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing in a tabletop where you only have control of the NPCs and you have 4 to 6 PCs at your table, uh, they may have different ideas about what makes a compelling story and what, what a conflict is and stuff like that. So it's going to be um, very difficult to do. I mean, I, I think the closest you would get to it is, unfortunately, something that wouldn't feel like a tabletop RPG, but you could. And that is you could do Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the tabletop game. Yeah, it would be more of a uh, uh, story, like one of those actually like storytelling games. Yes. Uh, we're almost diceless where you're just mm-hmm. kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But having a Hamlet character who's go- who's an NPC going through a crisis and your players are there to be the council mm-hmm. and the to assist through it. Yeah. And 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 at that point it's it's it is a different kind of examination, so. Yeah. I I, I so I w- I would say conflict is probably necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I would focus on it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to cut conflict out, especially not in tabletop right now, unless unless you got decades to play with. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are the pros and cons of a story without villains? Who? Uh, I mean, you're, you're the, varied. Your, your pros, I think, are um the the big one for me is that it allows for a lot a lot more breathing room for um to tell character based stories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what a villain does is it gives you a focal point for your for your ire, um, for the the thrust of your story. It gives your um, characters a target to shoot for. Right? Yeah, it is the mountain you must climb. I- exactly. Now, if you take that villain away, um, those eyes can turn inwards or they can turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can put a lot more focus on your environment. You can put a lot more focus on your character group, on your NPCs and stuff like that, on the minor antagonists in the PCs' lives and stuff like that, um, because they don't have that one big mountain looming in the distance that they need to surmount. But I think that's also the thing is, is that if the point of the story is you must climb that mountain and do X at the top, it you, it doesn't matter what you throw at them all along the path. They can mm-hmm. wipe all of it out and they still have to climb the mountain and do the thing at the end. Well, I find like, especially you know, kind, of, kind of going back to like the Skyrim, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. thing I was telling about, like, like I found... A lot of people say that the greatest thing about Skyrim is that you can you can just literally like start the game and then just go off into left field, mm-hmm. and you never have to touch the the main story at mm-hmm. all. You can just do side quests for hundreds of hours before ever touching the main story. And I always found that to be very difficult for me to do mm-hmm. because I get into the story right. Yeah, and so when you tell me that there is a world devouring dragon that only I can stop. And that I need to stop the world devouring dragon right meow, or they're going to devour the world. How am I doing side quests? I feel that. How am I? How am I going to be like? Okay, I'll I'll get to the world devouring dragon, but right now there's a little boy who lost a wooden sword down a well, and I have to go fight some rats. You know. Yeah. And I I I feel like this translates very well into at least my tabletop experience mm-hmm. a lot of times where it's like. Yeah, okay, that's great that you've built this big, broad world with all these things that you you are saying we can explore, but the big, bad, evil guy is going to do his big, bad, evil plot if we don't stop him. So how am I expected to stop and smell the roses? Mm-hmm. How am I expected to stop and give that shopkeeper the time of day who, when her daughter's gone missing or whatever? You know, like, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I need to stop the world from ending, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So. So I think. For me, I would say pros and cons. So uh, pros of, uh, for me, the story without villains would be it's an open landscape that the players still can see, because again, it's about communicating what their goals are. Mm-hmm. You, If you know your goal is to get the job done, then it doesn't matter how they do it, and they'll come up with different ways to get through it to get to the end of that. I loved that about Shadowrun. Yeah. It made it very easy for uh, for myself as a player to think outside the box beyond hit everything with a hammer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it also allows for a lot more freedom in who the characters can be in that sense. Yeah. You can do a lot more things with that. Um, I think some of the cons is it does make it more challenging for you as the storyteller because there's a lot more listening that has to happen. There's a lot more subjective thinking about how you're going to present things because you can't just present a, 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 a nail every time. You have to come up with what are they doing with this to get to their final destination, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get to that place. And keeping that place in your mind as a storyteller can sometimes be very challenging. Yeah. Because you're you're apt to change it. You're apt to wanting to shift and to move the cheese for them. And the moment you do, they know it. They feel it and it, the story changes without them realizing it. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's the the takeaway that I have for that. 
Alright, uh, next question is, uh, do you know any tabletop RPGs uh, emphasizing story without villains? Um, I, I don't think... think... Again, I think Shadowrun is probably one of the best examples of it, because... Yeah. Uh, it's more of a job. It's more of a gig-based game than mm-hmm. it is a villain-based game. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, Apocalypse World, from whence the 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 actual game from yes. whence powered by the apocalypse comes. Um, and then you got like Mutant Year Zero. A lot of your, like your post-apocalyptic games and stuff like that turn out to be man versus environment stories. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the two that come to mind off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, even City of Mists is is another good example of that. Again, games where role-playing is the key, and in building your character, you're building the story. Yeah. I think that's the ones you need to focus on. The more narrative-based, those are going to be stories without direct villains. Masks is another good example of that. Yeah, where a lot of the dramas is uh, comes from how you deal with what's going on rather than what is actually going on. Correct, right, correct. Right. Yep. It's more of a more of a man versus self sort of story. Yeah, self versus self in some cases. Or ma- man versus society. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, man versus generational trauma. Yep. Um all right, uh, Knox in the Box asks, uh, how do you handle the, quote, imaginary enemy trope where a perceived threat or antagonist is expected, but it turns out to not actually exist or revealed to be something else entirely? How do I handle the trope? Hopefully with style. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I would say that a lot of, uh, if you're handling that trope, the best way that you can do it um, is by incident and accident. I mean, everything is coincidental um, that presents itself to the to the characters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you let them come to solution or come to conclusions on their own and only present facts. It is a hard thing. It feels a lot more like you're writing a mystery without saying that it's a mystery. They believe they are assured that the werewolf is the problem in the town when in fact has nothing to do with the werewolf, you know, or the Duke being a werewolf. It has everything to do with the fact that there are, you know, wolves around this area that have been, you know, been here for, you know, a long time. And they just know that this is the time to hunt, but it presents for a very different story. And it's all coincidence and accident. Uh, I I think... um... I've kind of done some stuff like this in the past. I, th- I think one of the one of the big things that I would I would say to pull off the imaginary enemy trope is um, communication with your characters uh, or with, 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 your, with your players. Um, one of the things I like to ask at the end of my sessions is, "What do you think is going to happen next session? Or what would you like to see happen next yes. session?" Yes. Yes. Um, you know, in your mind's eye, what would make the next perfect move in this plot? Where do you want to see it go? And that's not in any ways an implied promise that it will go that direction. Mm -hmm. But what the question is designed to do is give me some insights as to what the player is thinking Mm -hmm. and what would excite them as a move or shift in the plot. Right. And um, I think you can use a lot of that information to kind of craft your – like the red herrings and stuff like that mm-hmm. that you're going to put into them. Like if they're if they're like, oh, we got to go after this guy because he's absolutely, you know, the one orchestrating all this stuff. You're like, oh, you think that guy's the one orchestrating it? Okay, maybe I play that up a little bit. Is maybe there, a, it, 
is there an example where I, you know or is is there is there something I can do in my story to make it look more like that? Because clearly the player expects that player to be the villain, but he's not. Can I do it to make it to make that a, a, a reveal for them? You right. Know? And how can I make that reveal as obvious that it is not? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the one thing that they see as being like the only way that it could not be him and be someone else? Kind of a situation like yeah. it's the you pull off the mask and expect this person to be under the mask and they're not. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, that's not what we expected. Why is it this dude here? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's those types of things that are very challenging to pull off. Reveals are exceptionally hard to pull off. They really, really are. Because again, your players have to have a lot of knowledge to make a reveal work. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, unless you're playing weekly and your players are very involved and they have their mind very fresh about the game, that reveal can come off very sour. And I think that's why those are left to the one shots or to like a weekend game where you, you know, one simple adventure where it begins with one thing and it ends with another. Your players are very trapped in that mind frame and there's very few pieces that lead them to the finish where they say, oh crap, it wasn't what we thought it was at the beginning. You know, yeah, it yeah. was the one-armed man. Crap, and we just let him go. Or for, for for me, one of the one of the greatest reveals you can make in the imaginary enemy trope is, uh, um, uh, yes, it was me the whole time, but I was doing it all to get your attention. And now that I have it, can we talk? Like, ah, good, you got my note. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Like, great, you Wait, caught you, me. You don't want to kill us? No, I don't want to kill you. I was doing that because I needed someone who was capable of solving the mysteries I was putting out there, and you found me. So that's you. Cool. Now you're qualified to help me. Exactly. Here's what the real problem is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's the slow clap ending. Yeah. 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 So. So. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Uh, uh, all right. So Tim Saucer asks, uh, if you were to frame this around the generic types of conflict, man versus nature, man versus self, man versus society, are there any systems you think work particularly well for telling these kinds of stories? Um, it's kind of, kind of, uh, the same question Nevum asked, um, in a sense, what systems deal well with this, these kind of stories? And I, think... I think it comes down to, I, I wouldn't say are there good systems for man versus nature, man versus self, or man versus society directly. I'm going to kind of set that to the side. What I am going to say is this, each one of those has a different feel to them. And that's, I think what you need to really decide is, are your players prepared to have a stressful man versus nature game? If the answer is yes, focus on games that have that mechanic mm-hmm. in them, mm-hmm. because that is going to be the key. You're not going to give them a don't give them the chance to make godlike characters that can ignore the nature. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the nature is, and I use that in a very global term. It's 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 always it's it's always kind of stuck with me. Um, somebody on Reddit said this, and it's stuck with me ever since. Is that uh, people make rangers in D and D games that are going to be man versus nature. And all of the ranger special abilities allow you to avoid nature. Yeah. It literally, like, skip the survival part of the game. Mm-hmm. Just take it out entirely. You've got a ranger. You solve it. Right. Successfully. Congratulations. Yep. Now get back to the combat. Yeah. Know? And I I think that's I think that's the detriment to writing those types of stories is that you have to in, you have to engage the system, the mechanics of the system to do na- man versus nature well. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And to get that. So that's one thing. Man versus self. There are, like we talked about, there are games that present themselves to be that. Um, 
Power of the Apocalypse does it well. I think uh, Masks is another great game that presents yourself as a as a person to a degree. Even World of Darkness with its humanity values are are presenting a world where when you challenge the self, regardless of what else is going on mechanically in the game, you could be a god. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is did you just do something that was a a bad move? Crossed a line. Yeah. Did you cross a line? If you cross a line, did you did you do it with power? City of Mists literally checks you on that. Like, oh, you've just stepped farther into that bad part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're, you, you've moved away. You know, uh, another one was uh, that we were, uh, um, that we had dealt with, and I'm trying to, I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, um, where you get either closer to being human or you get closer to being your, your uh, anthropomorphic. Is that City of Mist? And then That's the City other Mist, one yeah. is, uh, I can't think it's, of it. It's either Mythos or yes. uh, your, your Mythos self. Yeah. Or your, so or you're, your you're self, drawing right? in one direction or the other. So that's really yourself. So yeah. again, you're focusing on a game that the mechanics point to that. Yeah. Lastly, man versus society. I think this is, again, a hard one to have impact your players in a game where the mechanics don't present itself reputation is an important part of seventh c and can ruin you can destroy your character if if society doesn't like you eventually you become a villain mm-hmm. and you are no longer a hero and are removed from the from that part of the game um, i think to a degree there is a mechanic in um uh savage world for this as well that i was reading um, I don't think it's a direct mechanic. I think it's an optional mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that whole concept that you can you can gain a, effectively social flaws uh, that that will eventually put you in a standing of you're no longer a character. You are now a uh, you you've now moved yourself over into a wild card villain. Uh, that that might be a setting special rule of some sort. Um, I don't think it's in the standard rules, but I mean. I, that's a great thing about Savage Worlds is it's very modular. Yeah. Um, it's it's a generic system, so do do what you want yeah. with it, you know? But again, it, it's it's not so much, like, it doesn't matter in a man versus society sense how powerful you are. It matters what your standing is and what society, the way society views itself. Sure, sure. So that's the things that you need to think about when you're doing that is, is there a mechanic within the system that leans in that direction? And so really the only one that becomes a challenge to that is the man versus nature. Is yeah. that systems that are literally, I am, uh, everything I do in this game makes me better at handling nature every step of the way as I advance, then you're not going to want to play that man versus nature. Yeah, I think man versus nature plays out very well in systems that are um, have very low power curves. Yeah, uh, where, or no. Where, where you are fragile and uh, uh, life is life is cheap. Or games where it requires you to fail to grow. I think is another way of looking at that as well. Yeah, yeah, that I, because that I, compels I, I the story, that. like like uh, Mouse Guard has that. Yeah, and I think that compels the story to handle those situations differently. Mm-hmm. So, there we go. There, that, that's my answer. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I, I mean I first off I agree with everything you said. Um, but yeah, I would I would look for see, man versus man versus self and man versus society. I I, I think. A lot of these are very um, kind of introspective. Um, you're not really – like I, I would look for games with mechanics that uh, encourage failure or flaws or things like that. Like I, one of the big things I've really loved about Savage Worlds was just you know hindrances and bennies. Mm-hmm. You know, you play your hindrance. It, it says it right on your character. You chose it. 
during mm-hmm. character creation. Mm-hmm. You said my character is flawed in this way, this way, and this way. Cool. Yeah. Um, but when you do that, you get a Benny for it. Mm-hmm. And the Benny economy is supposed to flow. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to spend them freely, and I am supposed to give them freely. Mm-hmm. And what gives me impetus to give them is you role-playing your flaws. Yep. Um, and I think any game system which you're, you're going to find that sort of a gameplay mechanic that encourages you to play a flaw rather than minimizing your flaws because you need to be optimal and, you know, min-maxed in all ways... Um, you're going to find man versus nature, man versus self, and man versus society. Lot you to do because all three of those thrive in a character-driven environment. Yeah. Um, when you don't have as obvious of an external threat, um, man versus nature is, but like nature doesn't care. Mm-hmm. The thing about nature as a as a as an antagonist is that it is dispassionate. Yes. You know, the mountainside doesn't care that it just kills you. All it just knows is that it get co- it gets cold at night. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so the con the the true conflict of like man versus nature in that in that environment is what do you do with it? Yeah. What decisions do you make? Yeah. You know, and so really it's a question of what what sort of man is it versus this nature? Yep. Yep. No, I, I agree F- with that. Find find a game system that'll allow you to deep dive that. Well, we hope we answered your questions, and we always look for more when you guys get a chance. Uh, pop in to our Discord and throw some questions at us. And they don't necessarily have to be topic direct. Yeah. I mean, um, bounce some other. We've we've definitely had ones in the past that have been uh, questions that actually get us to reach back a few episodes, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, also, I mean, I, I we, we end every show with our with our Twitter and some of that. Twitter's usually pretty quiet and some of that. Yeah. If you don't want to join our Discord, I get it. Everybody's in and did <coughs> Excuse me. You apologize for the coughing, and I'm the one coughing now. Uh, uh, I know everybody's inundated with with discords. Everybody's, everybody's got, a discord got a discord nowadays, so you've probably got a billion of them going on. Um, but uh, if you're on Twitter, you can still shoot us your questions there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Stuff like we'll that. definitely so there, take them. There's 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 avenues. There's avenues. So shoot us your questions anywhere, and we'll uh, we'll answer them on the air. Yeah, so. totally. Um, so next week it is September. Uh, it is the uh, first Wednesday of September yes. next week, so we are g- diving back into our 101s. Yes, I think we're doing uh, creating investment. Yes, creating investment on uh, as a, how can new storytellers get players to care about their world, care about their story, care about their NPCs, and uh, roll up their sleeves and get involved. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. Listen to uh, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord, previously mentioned. Uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. Yeah, if you're looking for uh, other places to find us or to listen to us, go on to Storyteller Conclave and hit where to listen to us, and you'll see all of our links there on the side. They're all finally cleaned up, thank God. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members who help us out every single month. Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Hulaboo, and Sean. We really appreciate it. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warrior by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Mer- <laughs> Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. And you can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Our uh, big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All Thank of our you. friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years are giving these great stories to share with you, as well as you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so love much. Love you guys. Good, Good night. night.